Are you dying? Check. Are y'all ready to start recording this program here? Monster Jam style? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. One of y'all do the uh, intro here. Let's get enthusiastic about it, okay? Stand up. Don't be fucking boring. Oh, all right. Start over. Start (laughs) over. I can't believe I just dropped the (laughs) F-bomb. I think you got to turn your your game down just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because there's a limit. There's a limiter on it. And if you yell too much, the top of your limit shuts down a little bit. You hear that? It's like you get blank spots because you go like that, and then the top of the blank spot. Oh, I heard that. Do it again. 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 Hey, he tried to have a Texas accent. Do it again. What's up there, Jimmy? Do it again. Is it still doing it? Ah, it's better. It's it's the same. Our our listeners are now deaf, but it's better. Yeah. Okay, welcome back. All right, here we are. Press stop and then we'll press stop and then go. No, 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 no. Let's just do this. Welcome, ladies. Man, that hurt. All right, welcome back to the Fits All Podcast. And now, Andrew Alexander to do the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm smoking a cigar right now. About to talk to my friends, Frickle and Frackle, about some metal. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to have a good time. Go ahead, boys. I start in a minute after you talk, so I can switch my voice back to me regular. So it's a French Texan? I think it sounds Mexican. I'm not sure. Somebody asked Mexican. me the other day, said, is Melvin, like, is he from Louisiana? Is he Texan? And Texas? <laughs> who, who is he? I said, Eastern I Texas. Remember. He's a hybrid of all. Could you explain? All. Could you explain who Melvin is to you? Because a couple of people have asked me, and I said I think he works for him, but he's never on camera. <laughs> so, Melvin is uh, is uh, kind of like the uh, definition of of living failure. Right. Yes. He's the guy that that uh, gets everything blamed on him. If something's broken or not right or backwards or, you know, he, he, he's the guy that's he's like the punching bag of life, but he doesn't really exist in true format. I hate to tell you. You know, it'd be great if we, if, uh, we have a fits all. You know what? I'm going to ask the fits all listeners to submit pictures of what they think Melvin looks like. Do you have any people <laughs> among your midst who would also be called a Melvin? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be like uh, it would be a cross between Rosie O'Donnell and Richard Simmons and uh, the guy that painted the clouds. <laughs> what the hell is that? Makes makes so much sense. You know who I picture guy, every time you talk about Melvin? Or whatever? I picture uh, the stork from Animal House. Remember the stork? Tall blonde guy with thick glasses. He had like ROTC glasses. He's called the stork from Animal House. What you need to what you need to picture when I'm talking with Melvin is is chunk off of Goonies. I pictured also like Stork and a similar looking guy as, do you guys remember years ago, the, the transmission commercials and there'd be a guy like fiddling with a garden hose and the guy comes in with his car and goes, hey, I need my fa- transmission fixed. And the guy looks up from the garden hose and goes, I can fix the transmission. And the guy looked like the Stork, like Melvin. Basically talking about how many transition transmission places are horrible. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see what these people think this guy looks like. 
What do you think Melvin's weight class category is? Is he a, <laughs> is he a two to three hundred pounder or is no? He no, I, I'm picturing someone pounder? that like like eighty to skinny. like ninety seven pounds. That's I think skinny. Yeah. yeah, like he's got a like he's got a tapeworm or something. Like he's always got to go to the city. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh yeah, or the shit. <laughs> no, I, I picture like a trailer park dude that weighs about ninety pounds. That's just like tall and skinny and. And like a big dumb belt buckle, and like the end of his belt is hanging out past his belt buckle, like twelve inches hanging down. Just that's what they call the dicky do disease when your belly hang lower than your dicky do. No, no, that's, oh, that's somebody with a big belly. I'm thinking of somebody with like no belly. Oh, okay, I got. You. He's thinking. He's thinking like Gumby from Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh, the green character that you could stretch. Yeah. Yes. So Eric and I were in, in England a couple weeks ago. And it was we had a great time. We had a really good time. Yeah, you should have came. Come on. I didn't even know about it. Thank you. Hello. We told you. You all all emailed me that you emailed me an evite like I was gonna read it. No, it's funny. We were we were at the show. We were at Make Essential, and I think we had a couple of conversations. Like, if Andrew was here, he would be bored out of his goddamn mind. Because You, you know what. I was thinking the same thing. Like, if they play with that silicone poop anymore, or whatever that Play-Doh poop, <laughs> like, is your life really that boring that all you had to do is take videos of yourself throwing Play-Doh poop up in the air and it landing on the ground, and then you know, a bird swooping down and getting it? I mean, come on. You, know, you, you notice that the poop has has exited the building. We don't talk about the poop, poop. anymore. Yeah. No, oh, everyone, really? everybody was giving me ideas. I can't wait to see the poop like buckled up next to you on the airplane. I can't wait to see the oh, poop good. like in New York City. It's like, nope, the poop has run its course and it's been flushed. What, what, what was the deal with that thing anyways? Oh, it's actually, it's right there on my desk. I'm looking, it's across the room. Um, the poop was given <laughs> to us by, uh, a, during the trade show. It's pretty funny because I met a guy and he goes, hey, I got a trade show gift for you. I, 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 the name of the place escapes me. I got to look it up on my phone before I, I, I say it. But, uh. They what, had, shadow foam? Yes, yeah, is it shadow foam? That's the name of it. I was going to call yeah. it shallow foam. Shadow foam. No, shadow. Shadow foam gave it out at the trade show. So they had a little box in the, sh- in the shadow foam cutouts with like four different versions of rubber poop. And it just said some typical trade show shit is what it said inside. And we opened it up and it was funny. And then everybody liked the one loggy poop had stretchability to it. The other ones were a little yeah. too gross. And... Everybody was playing with that, and, and so everybody kind of threw away the shadow foam box and kept the loggy poop. And so everybody was playing with the poops, and we went out for a walk in London, and I just took the poop with us. Well, ultimately, what is the, what's, what's the idea behind this poop? Like, what, what does anyone benefit from this thing? It's just advertising. It's advertising for shadow but foam. For and they got a, they got a, they, they just wanted to, because they said, we sell box inserts. How can we make it fun and exciting? He basically knows that yeah. what they sell is boring, but it's, necess- it's a necessity for mechanics and garage engineers. And he said, what do we, do? oh, let's just put some typical trade show shit in the box. So that's, that's, that's pun, pun. It's called pun. You know what a pun is, right? Get okay. Melvin in I have Melvin a product. Pun is. I have a product for them for next year, okay? Okay. This is it right here. It's called Poo Pets, okay? <laughs> Poo Pets. Now, Why when you, you open this? this box, okay? I'm going to keep a running is, list of pictures we need to put on the. This is sure. cattle manure fertilizer oh, that they've made into a cat. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and as 
as the water what? hits, as the water hits us, it's a poopette. Handmade, self-fertilizing manure figurines for all indoor and outdoor plants. I mean, so it's a fertilizer. A, it's a fertilizer, yeah. So is as it, it rains, it fertilizes. Is it, is it stinky? It no, they are very <laughs> clean and lack objectionable uh, odors, even when wet. They're give harder it, than wood. I mean, give it a sniff. Dude, this is a poop pet. So this is this is manure poop fertilizer. So, it looks like a cat that's been mummified. Yeah, that's Why actually this, really disgusting and cool of, at the same time. So if it's if it's stronger than wood, let's make something out of it. They did. It's a cat. Hello. Yeah, but let's make a table. A live look, live edge resin <laughs> river poo table. Right. It looks like it was made in a rehab. It looks like it was made by somebody in a rehab, that thing. (laughs) Where they ate some of it. The the Pennsylvania duck made this, I guess. Interesting. Anyway, I'm I'm surprised uh, just in your office. Well, I got it um, as a gift from a friend, a dear friend of mine, gave me that, thought I would be able to use it. And I've just never found the proper application. You uh, just—it's like uh, you put it in the pepper grinder and you just serve it up. <laughs> it looks you like a chocolate. It. it looks like a chocolate Easter bunny, but it's actually poop. So let's talk For about the whole, Maker's Central event. Like, uh, how did they go? What did y'all do other than the poop? Uh, the Maker's Central event is is good yeah. because it's a the the European fans are so enthusiastic. Not that the Americans aren't, but the they, the European fans. Or so I think they know that they're not going to get much of a chance to kind of interact with us. So they all come here. There aren't many of these events in in England or in Europe. So uh, Nick puts this event on um, Nick Zametti, and he put it on last year, and it was such a success. He did it again this year, and it's a great opportunity for a lot of us Americans or North Americans to come over and. And interact, but there's people from all over the world. I mean, there's people. I met some people from South America, and obviously all of us from North America. And, yeah. and it, it was it was a lot of fun. You just get to mingle and hang out. All we do, and it's in a, it's in an area. I said, I go everywhere you go, you feel like you're behind a Home Depot. It's like it's just horrible industrial. <laughs> you go outside the hotel, and it's just it's like you feel like you don't know which side of the hotel you're on. The back or the front, everywhere it just looks horrible, and. There's nothing to do. It's in this little spot in Birmingham. Like the city's actually like 40 miles away or 30 miles away. It's in the suburbs of Birmingham. And it's a hotel attached, basically attached to the convention center. So you're either at the show or you're at the hotel in the lobby just talking to people. And that's it. Ordering food every every two hours. Yeah. I hate to do this, but I'm going to. I'm going to say it. This sounds like the most miserable thing ever, (laughs) except for when the event is happening. Like... You like the events going on. It's wonderful. You're having a great time. And then you instantly become suicidal when it's over. No, 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 no. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's one big giant social mashup. And that's, what's cool. Yeah. It. You get to yeah. hang with people this. and you do get people, to meet other YouTubers, other Instagrammers. Go. Do people hook up at these events? <laughs> They're all guys. So, <laughs> so <it depends. laughs> well, I mean, they still could, but that wasn't the type of hookup I was thinking about. But it's the same thing. But well, if 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 gender. my visual, so if my visual, uh, 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 like, do you see like so and so 
from the wood turning thing and so and so from the welding shop going into the same hotel room. And you're like, wow, they aren't usually. <laughs> no. I mean, they're from two different cities. They're going they're in there to have some. Now they're making love. No, they're mattress dancing. Oh. It's like it's like last man standing. We all find a seat in the lobby, and it, and it's like the last person wins. And you look on your wins. iPhones again, suicidal. Great, you can do that at home. <laughs> no, we just chilled in the lobby after because yeah, there wasn't. You, you can't like go out to the bar or somewhere. Um, you can't you notice the one thing that drives me crazy about England, and now that seems like a trend, is. They, they, oh, how many people? 13 people? Okay, come on, everybody. Well, let's get a table for 13. His 13 menus, 13 people jostling around. And then you sit there and you're waiting for the waiter. And you're waiting for the waiter. And the ritual there is, oh, you got to go to the register and order yourself. So instead of the waitress saying, why don't you take a menu, stand right here at the lobby and order two feet away at the cashier, she brings us all over to the table. We all sit down and then we all have to get back up and go over to the register. Like at, at Nando's? Nando's did it. The burger place did it, and another place did it. So it seems like. Oh, uh, I wonder. Yeah, like, yeah. That could is y'all true. go to a little bit higher end restaurant, maybe? Well, we could my, have. My buddy did, and he said it was the worst experience he's ever had. He said he <laughs> wished he would have ordered the lobby food. They got a twenty-eight dollar steak. He said it was the worst food he's ever gotten. He said it was so uh, bad it, that when the guy kept coming over and going, "How's the food?" They just had to look him straight in the face and go, "Everything's fine," because they were just so embarrassed when for you, him and the restaurant. When you said, "How's the food?" You said it very enthusiastically, like, "How's the food?" Well, that was what like the waiter getting, said to them. Like you were getting spirit pens or something, like spirit fingers for being the guy that was on the floor with yeah. the most enthusiasm that day. How's your food, everybody? Cray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, oh. we could have done more stuff. Uh, there was a, like a casino there and uh, like a couple high-end restaurants, but I don't know. It's, it's more fun to just chill with everyone and talk. Okay. Uh, here's the difference between y'all and me, Okay. <laughs> I don't give a shit about sitting down in a lobby Googling crap on my phone. If I'm going there, we're going to go have fun. Great. I want everybody to go with me, right? But we're not going to sit around and play tiddlywinks in the in the lobby of a hotel when we're in England. Come on. This is ridiculous. You guys, no, bore, well, you're boring me. No, no, no. You no, guys no. made a bad decision. We went two days into London and we walked around and we looked at ironworks and we looked at stuff. We, we spent, well, Eric was there for one day, but we went to London for two full days walking around, going to all the sites. I mean, we walked like 10 miles through London looking at stuff. You guys did touristy stuff. You should have gone into <laughs> ironworking shops and met blacksmiths and met woodworkers and gone into the nuts and bolts of that community. Instead, you were throwing Play-Doh poop in the air for their local seagulls to digest but last year i went to alex Steele's place we drove three hours in a death-defying wrong way roundabout situation now, on a hot on a road every, would, we did that last year that's what i'm talking about jimmy that was a good decision son that is what i'm talking about. get out and about and meet and greet and go no, see so something you I have to, to die that. on the way there then so what every round is around about every 13 seconds and it's like every time we hit it it's like which way do we go left or right and then like oh another God. which way do we go left or right okay which way do we go left or right we got everyone in the car is like go to the left what how much more fun was that than sitting in the lobby you know watching my instagram live story feed thank you very much for doing that <laughs> No, it was a good time, but you know, honestly, we spent a little bit too much time there. And then we uh, we we went to Indian food, which was cool. Me and Eric went to Indian food, and then Eric the next day we ate at the same restaurant. There was a dead mouse on the floor. 
Oh, God. That really bothered me when you said that. I didn't know oh, if you were God. kidding or not, but if that's no, true. It was true. Man. It was like, a, it was us. It was like, so the second day we went back to Indian food because it was like the only food we trusted. Is that the name of the restaurant? It was, it was, it was Indian food. I forget the name of the place was uh, Aladad, Ali Dean. Aladdin. Aladdin. (laughs) Oh my God. Hey, welcome to the English corner. Everybody, come on in here where we learn the proper way to pronunciate things. So we went to uh, we went to Aladdin, and there was like a a group of girls sitting next to us, and they wouldn't stop cackling, cackling the entire time. And then it was us, and we were all like tuckered out from walking all day long. And then as I, we, we paid our check and we were getting ready to leave, I saw one of, the, uh, one of the girls step over, and I don't think she saw that it was a mouse. I think she, she uh, didn't notice it. She saw something, and, and then I went to step over, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's a mouse. And I said to Derek, I go, look, there's a mouse on the floor. And we, we sent Eric, and Eric had the funniest text message of the entire week. He said, mouse tikka masala. He goes, of course they have mice because they have mouse tikka masala on the menu. <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious! That is funny. Now, who like who books y'all's like when you're traveling? Like, do you have somebody that helps you out like with things that you're gonna do while you're there, or just uh... no? You know, especially when there's a group of people, it's just like you kind of go with the flow. But when we when we were at the show last year, we met Alec, and Alex had come to our shop, so we went and rented a car, and and me and Jocko and and Derek drove out to his shop, and that was cool. I mean, that was like an all day trip because his shop from where Maker Central was was a good two and a half hour drive toward the east. Yeah. But now he's in Montana, of course. But uh, who's so that the, other guy that is that's not far from Alec, I guess, that makes all that really cool stuff. Um God bless he kinda Oh Colin guy. first? Colin. Yeah, that guy, oh, that Colin was cool. at the show, so I got the chance to hang out with Colin. He's a very nice yeah. guy. And I got to meet him before the show started. So he kinda gave me like a a full-on tour of his stuff, and we were talking. Very cool dude. I, I really was. Uh, it was an honor to meet him. Considering did he you know, give you a he... reach around? He did, and I got to meet his yeah, two guys. Yeah, a whole booth set up just for that. Yeah, he had he had a mechanical robot that gave reach arounds and it ripped your penis off if yeah. you weren't careful. The reach a robot. Wow. Where what was today, Junior? Sorry, I don't know why I'm stuttering, but was it your Instagram feed, Jimmy, that had the the uh, Coke bottles, like doing the thing or whatever, the sure. squirting up in the air. Oh yeah, yeah, that was the other day. So, uh, so I went to England. I came back for one day, and I changed the fuel pump on my old truck. And then the next morning, I went to San Francisco. And then at San Francisco, they had the entrance to Maker Fair, the the big grand opening. They have the Mentos soda guys. Remember those guys? Have you seen them around? These yeah, guys. Mentos. No, but they, they do this like Mentos soda pop thing, and they, they did the intro, and they, they pull the pins. They set up a tube on top of the Mentos, the tube that holds Mentos on top of a soda bottle, and you pull a little pin, and then Mentos drop in, and immediately the soda bottle explodes. And they had about 100 soda bottles set up, and they did the countdown to the opening of Maker Fair as they ripped the ribbon and let everybody in, and they pulled all these pins, and the soda bottles squirted everywhere. It was a total mess, right. but it was fun. Very uh, sticky theatrical. Uh, no, they use they use uh, they use Coke Zero because the cleanup's easy. There's no sugar in any of the stuff. They talked about yeah. that. but it's oh, that would be very good. well thought out. Very well thought out. There's Maker Maker Fair t- tomorrow here. Oh really? What are all these fairs? There's no yeah. fairs around here. We've got the we've got some fairs, but it's more like you know, Gun Spearmint fair. Rhino Fair, Spearmint Gun, Rhino, or Gun Fair. <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> the yeah. gun fair. The unfair. <laughs> we have <laughs> gun fairs. Like, no. But they every quit doing every the gun day fair. is a gun fair. No, they quit doing the gun fairs when they passed the law to start handing out guns to children and you know as newborns in the hospital. <laughs> so in case there's a baby mass boy, shooting in, okay, in here, kindergarten. Yeah, here, if you're a baby boy in the hospital, you get a blue Glock. If you're a baby girl, you get a pink Glock. Oh, that's nice. You got to be and prepared. Way, yeah, and on the way out of the hospital, they hand you a magazine that's fully loaded. That's unbelievable. Yeah, the only way to so- stop a bad baby with a gun is a good baby with a gun. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's just got to no shoot them. Just There's shoot them no up. Until the bad babies, you know. <laughs> shot. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's talk about actual metal. So, oh. Andrew, Andrew, you were cutting yeah. these crazy links yesterday, and you actually sent me two of those a long time ago when we first started dating. Um, those big links... <laughs> What are those links? Explain to us what those are. Okay, these are these are wrought iron, of course. Ship links, ship chain links, or they were either on a ship's anchor chain or they were mooring chains for like a buoy, you know, that would be a navigational buoy. But most likely they were just anchor chain. I got this section of chain from an old man in Decatur, Texas, who would would attach one side of it to a bulldozer and the other side of it to another bulldozer. And they would take the bulldozers and walk them across the field, drive them across the field. And it, the chain's so heavy, it would knock down all of the uh, brush and stuff along the way. Then they would <laughs> you, should go back. Eric's, you should see Eric's eyes thinking like, this got to be an easier way to do that. Interesting. They would go back no, it's like, it was, <laughs> is he a farmer? I'm, I'm getting to that. It's, you got you to come full circle here. So after they knock it down, <laughs> unhook the chain, and then push all the brush into you know pile, light it, and burn it, and then go back and plow that, and then they could plant their crops. So yes, thank you. It's a very primitive, old-school way of doing things that's not practiced anymore, but back in the day it was. So a, so, drag, a drag chain that probably weighs, I don't know, what, 100 pounds per link? Like, what do you think those weigh? That... That chain's like on the average forty pounds a link. Incredible. So the and now that chain is how old? Eighteen fifties, eighteen nineties, nineteen hundred? Probably. Yeah, somewhere in there. It's, I mean it's all forge welded and it's so uh, it's actually a really neat chain. Totally neat. And where where do those chains where were they made? Were they made in like Detroit or were they made like do we know where they were made? Was there like a chain link making district in America? This was this one was made at twenty seven fifty one Beta yeah. Killing Highway, Factory <laughs> Seven, Room Four, with Machine twenty nine seventy six. You got the. It was stamped on one of the links. No, it was stamped on. on one of the links, so I knew it. So no, but honestly, was there in your experience or in your knowledge, is there a part of the United States where they were made, or are they <clears throat> made in England? Like where? Like because like everybody it's says, it's got to uh, be north northeast coast. Yeah, like New York. Really? Well, just I assume it would be like a coastal thing if they're right. ship. They're not going to ship like make it in Arizona and ship it to New York. But I don't know. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. It would be yeah. probably made in shipyards. Right. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, because this stuff is incredibly heavy. Well, and where incredibly- where were the where was the Titanic chain? Remember, we were sharing that photo of the guy with the three. The three-person oh, yeah. hammer, right? 
Was that oh, a Titanic was, chain link? Is that what that picture And that was, was the actual Titanic chain links that they were making for the anchor. So wherever that was. Liverpool? No, uh, yeah. Belfast. I think the Titanic was made in Belfast. Yeah, so at least you know there's one place there. <laughs> well, Bangladesh. I could sleep. That's no, Bangladesh is where they take them apart, right? That is correct. Um, yeah, so the chain is uh, uh, something cool. I've had it for a while. I've got 100,000 pounds of this wrought iron, um, you know, sitting in my yard out here. But I decided I'd, I'd sell some yesterday. Actually, I decided a couple weeks ago I would sell some because wrought iron is so hard to get, right? But it's such a beautiful metal at the end of the day because of the layers and the grain structure of it when you etch it that I wanted to share some ultimately so I can see what people will make with it. That's uh, talk a little bit about wrought because I know you and, and Chris Cash talk about it quite a bit. And, and and I played a little bit with it. I've made a couple of little things with it. Uh, talk a little bit about like why it's desirable. And and, and one thing I so, want to know is how, how when you flip flop it around and you, 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 you forge it, how do those lines always stay straight? You know what I'm saying? Like, why aren't they swirly like Damascus? So Damascus is layered, right? And this is not. This is a, it's like a, a semi-fused masses of iron, like with fibrous slag, which gives it the grain structure, right? So if you think about um, uh, steel, like carbon percentages of steel, right? Uh, rod iron is like 0.08% of carbon, right? Right. Not, not Ca- good cast- to hold an edge. Won't hold an edge. Cast no knife. iron is like <laughs> rod iron knife. No. 2 to 4%, right? Yeah. So you got cast iron that's really, really hard, but really, really brittle. And then you got rod iron that's the opposite end of that, you know? So like 0.08. Not hard, but very, but very flexible. It's, it's, Elastic it has, in its way. It has a ductile rating. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 is, it is durable and it is elastic. It, it stretches, if you will. Right, right. Yeah, right. like those... Uh, breaks. Like, Jimmy, those uh, 16th century nails we got mm-hmm. at Maker Central, yeah. you can bend those with your hand. Oh, no way. Yeah, like just... And then are they are they wrought iron like like was wrought yeah. iron like the first iron it was like when you dug it out of the ground well, and you made iron. a bloom is iron was the first iron <laughs> iron was the first iron so what is what is what is in what is wrought mixed with iron and carbon charcoal really? you, yeah you you have to have a, a coffee grinds a bloomer whatever you put you have a bloomer whatever it's called and, and you have the charcoal and the the iron and all that in there, and then you heat it up, and every, the the broad iron and whatever goes to a molten pool in the bottom, and you, and it's a whole process of then pounding it out and removing all the other impurities to get solid broad iron. Yeah. So, uh, like a typical bloom. Uh, again, explain what a bloom is just for the viewers at home, because I know what it is because I've been to a couple of hammerings where they've made them. You want to explain, Andrew? Because you'll do it better than me. I'll let Eric do it. He'll do it better than me. Uh, sure. So you get a bunch of iron, iron ore. concentrated. Yeah, basically ore. Which is like and dirt. You, 
You heat it's just yeah, basically stones with like a little bit of iron in it. And uh, you heat it up very, very hot, and the iron will melt before the stone melts, and it melts out to the bottom of wherever you're heating it up in. And then you would kind of break away that uh, whatever's heating it up, move the stones away or the dirt or whatever, and then you have that molten hot iron at the bottom. Uh, and you basically take that and you go and you press it together carefully to forge weld it to itself. It looks like uh, a meteorite, start, basically, at the yeah, bottom of the to fire. Start making, to start making, you know, workable, actual steel. You know or, what's I guess, incredible metal. to me is like how, when you think back in the annals of history, who was the guy, maybe his name was annals Iron. Annals of history? Yeah. Iron. Joe Iron. He's the first caveman to put a bunch of <laughs> dirt together. Joe Iron. And start a fire, and then there was this like goo at the bottom. And later on, he realized he could use it as a refrigerator magnet. But like, yeah. what what was the Natural. first person to realize that dirt has iron in it? It must it have was been an jo- accidental fire, right? It was uh, Joe Iron and his cousin Joe Dirt that actually it was a it yeah. was a it was a group effort thing. Those two, you can actually yeah. see it um, if you ever watch Primitive Technology. Yeah, he has a video where he just took a bunch of. Um, <clears throat> Iron heavy bacteria in a stream, mm. <clears throat> and they're basically red. And just because they were red, he knew, oh, this has to be iron. And he took a bunch of that, and then ended up essentially smelting that down into tiny pearls, like the size of sesame seeds, uh, of solid iron. Wow! And did he forge a tiny little sandwich? <laughs> the, the tiniest <laughs> sesame seed bun. Uh, yeah, you can go and see it if you want to see it. No, no. Uh, it, so, it, like, if I'm looking in in my yard, if my ground is iron rich, it would be red, right? Kind of like rust. Yes, in most cases. Yeah. Yours is that way though, because of spray paint <laughs> and and the blood of the innocent. <laughs> so wrought iron, you said they don't make it anymore, and is there a reason why they stopped making it? Is that because the Titanic sank? Or... Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Wrought iron just. It, it, the whole format of steel just changed, right? Well, they, they needed it to be stronger and more flexible. Well, it's more, more of like buildings. a blend. It's more of like a nice, soupy blend, a consistent blend now, even at the lowest carbon. No, well, like, a, the, like oh. today, if it, uh, a modern equivalent of carb, of uh, rod iron today is like mild steel, isn't it? Close. Like a low carbon mild steel? Yeah, it would. You need like ten. If it was something, it would be like ten o five. Ten o five. I thought it was like ten o four. Oh, it could be ten o four. Ten o four. Yeah. Well, because guys... mild mild steels like it can get, depending on how shitty it is, or how inconsistent it is. Yeah, you don't know. You can get up to even thirty points of carbon in some pockets of mild steel. Did you know that the Eiffel Tower is made of solid wrought iron? No way. Really? Really. Totally. And now, is that, is that, it's not susceptible for like blowing or cracking or breaking, is it? No, because that would be more totally. cast. They've, they've had to, and not, not cracking though, but it is susceptible Stretching. to that and, you know, um, corrosion. Yeah. Right? So they've had to paint it like 17 different times with 60,000 tons of paint. Is what it takes. Yeah, but 
But could you imagine having, I mean, that would be like the supply of the world to have the Eiffel Tower as your wrought iron supply. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be nice. Let me that ask you guys. This historical monument. You, could make, you, you should take some of that wrought iron and make it high carbon steel just to see what it turns out as. I'd be interested if you can keep the pattern but infuse the carbon. I think it would be neat. Well, I'll send you some and you do that, okay? I can do that. Well, like you said, just put my... it in like a piece of baked bread or something? You could. Like a, like a burnt bread? I've seen someone do that. I don't know. Was, who did that? Yeah. Was that AVE? Who did that? I have somebody, no idea. Somebody no. took like a piece I, of bread dude, and infused yeah. it into a piece of metal. Flour, flour <laughs> leather, scraps, uh, I don't know, sugar, anything wow. high it oh, would be very interesting. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, you could have that cool, straight grain, but layered, yet still keep an edge. Come on. I want to. I want to ask the I, same question again because I didn't get an answer. How can you take wrought iron, flip flop it around on itself, make it into a set of tongs, and then when you cut it and etch it, you still have layers? How does it know to form into layers that aren't oh, swirled it's, together? Sorcery. It's just sorcery-based metal. You see what I'm saying? Like you, you made those chain links. You, well, you cut it open. You, you, you uh, etched it, or you brought it to a machine that can tell you what's in it. And, but when you etched it, it still was in layers. It just boggles my mind that why doesn't it swirl like like a Damascus? Well, it would, wouldn't it? If you kept folding it over itself. Yeah, I think you could take wrought iron, yes, and do that with it. But why would you want to? Oh, you said naturally beautiful like that. No, but I'm saying if you, I'm going to buy a piece of chain link from you, right? You're offering up chain links for sale, right? Would you like to plug your chain link sale? I, no, I already sold all I wanted to sell. Oh, okay. So Thank you. If, if I get a <laughs> he piece must of, keep 100,000 pounds of it. <laughs> if I, I get a piece it. of that, if I get a piece of that and I flip flop it around and I make a, a little tiny chain out of the chain link, and if I slice one of those links, it seems to me that they'll still be perfectly layered. Am I wrong, or will they be swirled? No, they'll be perfectly layered. I guess you could do a, a How pattern. How does that happen? Because it's like it's it's like the government. It just happens. I mean, is that true? <laughs> Am I just? You understand my question? I don't think no, it'll swirl. Question. It'll swirl together. If, 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 if Jimmy, it, let's just say you take a piece of red play-doh, green play-doh, and purple play-doh. Okay, right. and roll it out like pie dough, and then you you twist it together. The more you twist it, the more the swirl becomes you know Muddy. pronounced. Right? right. The same thing would happen with this wrought iron. Okay. It's gonna have the swirls, but it's gonna be a different swirl. You're gonna you're gonna alter the swirl if you would. The pattern. Yeah, exactly. The reason this is this is why I'm like it boggles my mind is because I have old wrought tools that I bought in and around. I have old wrought garden tools, you know, from the turn of the century. And as they rust, they have these grain lines in them. It looks like raised grain lines in wood. And they always like in the they are always in the elongated way. You never see like a burl or oh okay. You know what I mean? So the reason why that is, Jimmy, is because the Smith back in the day would have read the grain structure of okay. the metal he was working with, like a woodworker would, and they would have intentionally done that for a reason. Okay. They it would be the like, 
They obeyed the grain, Jimmy. Yeah, it would be like drifting an eye. Like if you were drifting an eye in a piece of rod iron, which is not a great idea, and you drifted it, you know, against the grain or whatever, it would be more susceptible to breaking. Right. Right. So with the your your garden tools, with if the shaft is the elongated like portion of it, which is the same thing see like with with boat anchors that are rod iron, the long shaft part is always like one continuous line. So they right. can see that. I didn't realize that. That's what I didn't understand. I thought you're looking at a red glob and you're just banging it and slamming it around. But you're saying no, they, kinda, they you obey actually, that crane, for real. Yeah, it's actually you smell. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a smell-based smell, activity. Smell thing. <laughs> smell and and some of the wrought iron that's like 1880 to 1850 was scratch and sniff. Oh, yes. that's some of the best, though. Yeah. Smelled like now, so old, what, sweaty guys. What would you suggest uh, a blacksmith or a novice blacksmith make with wrought iron links that they would have been able to buy from you had they had the timing correct? Make no, a I tree would, stump. I still, listen, let me just say this. I have a lot of wrought iron, and I will sell more. Yes, I have 100,000 pounds of it. The books are closed right now. I, that what someone needs to make with this is not like, you know, Let's not use this as a warm-up, like make a spoon or something. Like, let's be educated with what we're making when we make stuff with wrought iron, okay? Well, let's educate. Let's see. Do it. What I would like to see, well, that was the reason I offered it some up for sale. I want to see what people make with it. Right. I, I love this stuff. There's so much Damascus on the market, but there's not a lot of wrought iron, and wrought iron is, got, is naturally, organically, pure with the same kind of quote-unquote patterns as damascus has can you make uh let's say let's say if i if i uh had the wherewithal which i'm I'm still learning to make an axe head with wrought with a like a 1095 blade edge is that is that doable or is that stupid yeah i mean you could always forge weld another piece of metal to wrought iron and you know have a nice you know uh uh, edge that you could sharpen if you will was it i think it was uh chris cash made a axe head out of rot uh, kind of as a joke and then put it in acid to show the grain lines did you see that it was in there for too long so it looked like a like a piece of rotted wood i think if chris no, if that's if that. that was you send us the picture um, yeah the problem is you'd have to drift through the wrought iron and is that that's easy i would assume but then you said it's not a good idea yeah it's you easy if you do it the right direction Right. Yeah, you'd have to obey the grain, Jimmy. You would <laughs> most likely you would want to use wrought iron uh, for more of like a chasing hammer or planishing hammer or something that's not going to be so, a high impact. Let me type. ask you a question, Eric. Only Eric will know what I'm about to say. So if you had a piece oh, of just go ahead, call me dumb, okay? No, no, no. If if you had a piece of baklava, <laughs> you know what baklava is, Eric? Yeah, I'm a culinary student. Hello. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh. I forgot. So if you had a piece of baklava, which is like all layered dough. Right. Yes. With crushed, uh, with crushed uh, pistachios on it. If you had a oh, piece of baklava so like that, would you puncture it from top to bottom through the layers or in between the layers for the strength? In but be- I don't know. In between. That's my guess. Eric's doing calculations. Andrew's doing no. calculations. No, I'm. I'm well, just thinking. Like, why in the hell did he use baklava as an analogy <laughs> for this? Because that's all I—that's all I keep thinking—is like layered wafers with delicious taste in between them. 
from Turkey. <laughs> but if you think about how baklava, like that, that dough is made on a dough sheeter and gets turned over and turned over and turned over and turned like over Damascus. and turned over. Like Damascus. Like Damascus, it's so it's not like wrought iron. So your analogy is poop shit. I mean, no, it's no, like, it's still layers though. It's like it's just the layers. It's layers. I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't. I don't actually answer know. To your, the book. answer to your question is, you would want to pierce it like he was saying in between and not through the top. Really, it seems to me that you would want to put. Yeah. it seems to be, be stronger if the layers were perpendicular to the eye hole as opposed to in line with the eye hole. I but, agree. It seems like the force would eventually split the layers. Oh yeah, yeah. you're right. No, no, handle. I said it backwards. I said it backwards. I am dumb. Thank you. I'll be here all day. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm a dummy. Don't worry about it. I'll be here all day. Yeah, uh, no problem. No, no. I yeah. mean, honestly, I mean, I, I really just it just seemed logical to me, but I don't know. That's why, uh, again, this this uh, this curiosity about rot is you should, the reason why you I should do it the talk about reverse it. way and make a high carbon head and a wrought iron blade. Oh uh, yeah, there you go. That cutting baklava. <laughs> Just to no, make the should... worst, the worst axe that's ever been made on YouTube. Just go and, and cut, cut marshmallows and look at the dent. Oh yes, <laughs> the marshmallow yeah. that fractured my axe head. Yeah, it's too much. Oh, I get uh, you. What you should do is go and drip the hole, and then do an insert of a hardened tool steel for the yeah. handle. Right. Could be. I have another question for you guys. Now, do no, either of you know, Eric, you probably know this, and Andrew, you would know too. What is the numbering system for steel? It always starts with 10, and then the second numbers, so it's like 1084 or 1095 or 1006. Could you guys explain that a little bit? Listen, by the way, just before Eric gets started, this is such a loaded question. No, no, no. I, I don't even know the answer so, to it. Well, no one does. It's so complex, right? It's the answer is so complex, okay. really, because there's so many varieties of steel. Right, so but many like like the ten category oh, is one variety of steel, and I've seen eleven forty four, so that's a different category. So I assume the that's... first two numbers indicate one category, and the second two numbers indicate the carbon content. Is that right? Yes, if for the ten series, that's yeah. all I would know for sure. Because right. I know the 10 series is, is essentially like just iron and carbon. Whereas like you get into 41 or 43 or 400 series or 5,000 series, you get more of other business in there. Um, like nickel and selenium and whatever, magnesium, whatever else they're adding. I actually have no idea. I am Andrew? not the metal guy. Andrew, your turn. I'm not a metallurgist. We need a bomb stat. Call him up. A bomb. He would uh, do yes. it. Yes, this is a bomb here. I'm cooking. I'm just cooking shrimp today in uh, my RV. Hanging out in the RV by the lake, uh, ocean. I mean, <laughs> the trailers yeah. are rocking. Don't come a knocking. We're newlyweds. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Hey! crowd goes silent with nothing to say no i want to know what you know about the 10 series and the other series like do you know the naming the numbering system maybe oh, we need I, to have a metallurgist on i really don't gotta have. I, I couldn't tell you because uh 
that's not something that I study. So, so here I, I will I will read this to you very okay. quickly for our viewers. Wikipedia. Uh, the one thousand series are carbon steels. The two thousand series are nickel steels. Okay. Three thousand are nickel chromium. Four thousand are molybdenum steels. So like Malib- your forty one forty. Five thousand are chromium steels. Six thousand are chrome vanadium steels, like what your wrenches, your modern wrenches, are made out of. Wow. Seven thousand would be tungsten steels. Eight thousand would be nickel chromium molybdenum steels, which are getting like serious, impressive steel skills. Silicon manganese steels. What numbers are that? For the nine thousand series. Wow. And then you were saying, um, so that's you. You were saying eleven. So the eleven hundred series are resulfurized seals or steels. Because when Don't I bought even... my when I bought my power hammer, he gave me eleven forty four. He said, "Use that for your pins." Yeah, so it's a resul. I don't know. They took the sulfur out and then they added the sulfur back in. For, I like the uh, you know the joint pins for all the moving parts. Yeah, so it's still like carbon steel, but it has sulfur added back into it. And that does something of which I can't tell you at this point. I have no idea. Um, You can... We're like the craziest steels. Yeah, like basically Inconel is probably one of the most intense steels. And I'm assuming that's like a 9,000 steel. Series steel? I don't know. So, like, for the knife maker set and the hammer set, what is S steel? I know, like, S7 and S this and S that are uh, are hammer-making steels. Yeah, it's the number ones. I would love to know. Maybe that's uh, stainless. Oh, then there's the stainless steel series, the three and the 400, all the way to infinity. Um, I think we're losing Andrew. He's no, going dude, I've, I've told you, I'm not... I'm not uh... It's learning. I'm not so savvy on all of that gibberish there. Well, it's good to know now that everybody knows. An S7, I don't know the series exactly. I know it's good for like hammers. Eric, tell, tell everybody where you found that information for the people at home. Wi- Wikipedia? <laughs> I think he's saying like, what did you type in? <laughs> no, I'm just joking saying that any did one of us could have easily duck, done that. but Duck, duck Goose or... Ductile goose. Yeah, just just steel grades. Yeah, man. I don't know if S. It's just tool steel, so it's obviously a higher carbon steel. I don't know what they do to it. And then you got like O1 and A A2 and O1 and O2 and A2 and like yes, oil those and are air. probably yeah. Those have some other. It's not just a like a ten series steel. Like they have some extra manganese or nickel or whatever to improve the the properties. You know that I have a, a a slug of steel that weighs ten thousand pounds. That's manganese. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what are you going to do with that? That's right. Just touch. Just touch I, it. Try, I tried to drill it one time, and the drill bit said, "No, thanks. <laughs> not not going to happen." Yeah. So the S seven steels and the O ones, I think, are above and beyond the nine thousand series steels because. Just S7 here, looking at it, contains, uh, you have carb- carbon, manganese, molybdenum, silicon, chromium, and vanadium added to the uh, iron itself. 
So it's just like a combination of all of the other series combined. Can, can you say the M word again? Malibu. Which one? Malibu. Malibdimum? Malibdimum yeah. morning to you. Can you, can you record that? Like, I want that to be my alarm clock. Malibdimum morning there, guy. <laughs> I'd have no, a great no. morning if every day I woke up to Eric saying, Malibdimum. Malibdimum. Oh, like that. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's so Malibdimum morning. That's yes, uh, now you are informed. Very cool. Learn now, about it. Now, did I, I talked a little bit about it on Instagram, and I, and I we haven't talked since I got it. But well, <laughs> Andrew's getting bored. He stuck a pen in his nose, so he's sucking in his other nose now. Do you guys, I, I I bought an anvil, sight unseen. Let's talk about it. I paid a thousand dollars for it, and I was told it was four. 160 pounds and when it showed up it was much bigger than that did we already talk about this on the last podcast did we i don't remember yeah i think we did i think we were because i was a little fired up that you didn't have a scale large enough to measure the damn thing well, i still it. don't yes I but we're don't. talking about what happened since then yeah what did you find out since then that you still don't have a scale large enough to weigh it i don't have a scale <laughs> large enough i still don't all right i thought we didn't talk about this so i'll just i'll just no it was a gr great story though I remember you were driving and you told them like you had a dream that oh, yeah. <laughs> you and Cindy Crawford were running yeah. down the beach together holding our and, and then all of a sudden and then you're like, dude, in, in this dream I was running and there was crabs crawling all over this huge anvil and so I knew I was going to get a big anvil and then... But let me ask you this. I heard, now I, I don't want to say where I heard it because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I heard that there's only supposed to be like, you're going to laugh when you hear this. <laughs> There's only like 30 known anvils to be over 700 pounds. Is that true? <laughs> his face. We're going to get a picture of his face. I heard that. And I was like, that has got to be not true. His eyes rolled so far into the back of his head, he saw his own brain. <laughs> so I, don't, not I don't even know how to respond to that other than whoever told you that's a stupidest person i've ever met like really i heard it 30 like, over 700 how many do you have over 700 75. at least that many i was gonna say of the 30 how many do you own 29 i, I mean at least <laughs> that many i mean come on guys this is retarded that's like saying there's only 48 thousand pair of pliers that have ever been made in the world <laughs> that's it guys i got them all well i have three of them Jimmy so, has them in the drawer with 40,000 other players. <laughs> I, I actually want to have a conversation with this person. I want a name. Name. Text it to me. I want a number. Third hand. How, many, how many are actually out? What do you think? Of thousands. Are you kidding me? Thousands. Of 700 pounds. Totally. L listen, one thing that's... That, that I want to make perfectly clear. When you look at the literature, like historical documentation from foundries back in the day, a lot of printed literature cut off at 500 pounds, right? Because it'd be very uncommon to want, need, or desire an animal over 500 pounds, right? Even in today's world, people that have animals that big are, they have them because they want them. I mean, realistically, yes, you're not using most people probably. Most people, uh, for the style of blacksmithing that's done today, probably don't need an anvil over 500 pounds. But there's 
numerous, numerous foundries, forges that made anvils that were eight, nine hundred pounds, thousand pounds, you know. So yeah, that's uh, that's some that's some silliness there. What is the heaviest anvil you've personally encountered? Like been around, or that you own, or like what? Well, yeah, the, what is the biggest one you've ever seen in your own personal experience? Uh, I mean, I've got a thousand pound anvil, but, um, the biggest one I've ever seen, good Lord, probably, oh, 1400 pounds, 1500 pounds, like a legitimate forged anvil. Wow. That's, that's insane. But a guy, it was cast, the guy poured, I mean, but what happened? So here's my other question. Did we just, did we Are, just have a glitch on, Insta on, uh, on our conversation? Yeah, my uh, thing just clicked. Both of y'all disappeared. And then on. I heard that ding. I'm back now. I'm fine. Yeah, I don't know how to um, keep my computer from accepting text messages. It drives me insane. Oh, nice. Anyways, it's, this is my my question is, are there any companies currently making fully forged anvils? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, mine, mine sounds different now. Make sure you you're on the right microphone. Just go no, you sound cause... you sound the same. Okay. Yeah, you sound yeah. The I same think uh, there's several. I know Nimba makes theirs, right? Full, like not cast anything. No, I, I mean I don't really look at new stuff, so it'd be hard for me to tell you. But I'm pretty sure that Nimba makes uh, uh, fully forged anvils. Interesting. Raffling house, petting house. Yeah, I just didn't know if that's still going on. <laughs> What do they use? Like thousand pound hammers? That's I. I don't know. I like I said. I I'm not I'd into the to the new stuff. I'm into the old stuff. So I would love to see it being done. I hope there's a YouTube video or something. Um, I'm just gonna look. the modern the modern forging of of anvils. Be neat. Did you guys ever see that that drop forge hammer that the Chinese guys are banging around a big giant nugget of? It's been going around. It? It's a that to yes. me, that is so cool. That's such a cool video. That's insane. and those guys are like walking around like, oh, nah, no problem, just going to get skittles from the store, you know. <laughs> they were, they look like today. they look like uh, they're wearing like flip flops and like dress oh, shirts. <laughs> like, mind you, dude, if even like a, a little teeny tiny piece of shrapnel came off of that, it would kill you instantly, and it would be a hot death. And oh my like, god. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, they're so yeah, like, it's really cool. You drop 30,000 pounds of hot iron on your toe. It's like, oh, yeah, the steel toe saved me. Yeah. <laughs> and, I want to see the operator. Like, what is he doing? He's probably in some enclosed, you know, bulletproof glass enclosure with a handle that he's just pulling, you know, when he sees things. Oh. You, know. you think yeah, it's but, just one guy? It's attached to 40,000 Chinese workers that run away while pulling a rope. <laughs> Oh, I see. Let go, and then let go of it. It's like or with the steam hammer. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. For those who haven't seen the video, it's like a big, what looks like a big teepee frame that has like a yeah. tube, like in the center of what would be the teepee. And they have this tremendous ram that gets picked up and dropped on a, a giant glowing nugget of steel while there's like six Chinese guys with sticks pushing it around and there's a guy with a there's a guy with there's a forklift two, that comes yeah. in and topples it around two guys with forklifts yeah they, they yeah yeah 
It's, yeah, it's interesting. Was, as, I mean, it would be just outstanding to be there and watch that and hear the noise it makes and oh, feel yeah. the vibrations. I mean, that that's the type of hammer that easily could rattle a city block. Oh, easily. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's a hammer that gets on your picked up and dropped by, by a guy with a rope and 6,000 employees off camera. But it keeps yeah. getting picked up and dropped. With, it must be with a crane. Did you see, did you see how politically correct Jimmy made that? <laughs> what did I say? He's like 6,000, you know, employees that have a rope. And then Eric's like, there's 400 Chinese, you know, workers. In well, they're in China. Yeah. yeah. They are the Chinese in China. Jimmy's, Jimmy's more delicate with it. I like it's that. Just, it's just how it goes. Yeah. Yes, I would like that, but I don't have one of those. What's my the uh, hoodie who owl uh, figure thing uh, over your left shoulder there behind you? The the red like uh, clear eyes commercial thing for you, Me? Eric. Yeah, what is that? What are they? They look like boobs. Me? Oh, those are those are his stickers. Yeah. There's a roll of his stickers. They look like hoot owls. Oh, the two. Oh, red. Funny. This right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, water water activated glue sticker things that I used oh. for the. Uh... You know what kind of pisses me off? For this set yeah. in front of the freaking. Um, Asbestos tile cutter, so I can't ask about. It. Oh, he's blocking it. it. Yeah, he's blocking. It. You can't see it. It's right there. See, look at that. Oh yeah. Hey, what do you use that for? What Nothing. Oh, okay. Well, well I kind of i I need to pass it on to someone else. Oh, I you feel do. Better. Yeah. So I will do that uh, soon. I got to clear out a bunch of stuff. I got to put some ads out locally and sell some stuff. You know what? I, it's funny when you, when you walk around your shop, it's like being on a shipwreck. Like everything's knocked over and pushed oh, down. Oh, it's a disaster. Like, it's absolutely You're like, uh, I might uh, restore that or that next. But I really want to restore this next. And, and it's just like, like pointing here, here. at garbage on the floor. At garbage, yeah. I keep four four of my tools are in the garbage can just because that's an empty <laughs> spot. And I got three uh, it, in the oven here. It's hard. It's so hard to keep stuff clean when you got a lot of junk. No, it's just that I'm always constantly doing shit and I never stop doing stuff. So I just need to take time to actually organize it. And... Uh, I never wanted to spend the time because I still need to build a staircase to the upper floor of the workshop. And until that gets done, I just I don't want to deal with it. And I just had to like it's still not done in that it's not like inspected. So so I didn't want to do anything crazy because we just had to re-dig up or retrench because the electrician forgot to uh put a ground line from the workshop to the main house. Oh my God. That's annoying. Yeah. So like, that's why I'm not going to forget. It. That's like so forgetting like, to put the car this, and drive. If you're a taxi driver, this, this is how people do things sometimes. Right. So I don't want to, I don't want to do anything and organize anything until I'm done. And I know that I can like not have to knock this down because I failed at something. So I, I have a lead on something and uh, Andrew, you tell me what you think of this idea. Um, do you guys know Facemeyer Farms? He just made the new dies for one of Chris's hammers. His name is Kevin. He's been up to the house a few times. Kevin doesn't know this, but I'm going to ask him if he could make the dies for my hammer. And in doing so, he maybe he could make two sets. He just made a set of dies 
for uh, I think uh, for Chris Cash's hammer. I just saw it quickly on Instagram, and then somebody oh, like in the my beer banks under fifty. Pounds. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Out of what steel? Like forty? I'm not sure. We got to ask him. So he doesn't even know. He doesn't even they, know. I'm bringing his name up. I haven't even talked to him about it yet. They 3D printed it first to see if it would work. <laughs> there you go. You look like a jealous girlfriend going. Did they actually 3D print it? Totally. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Really? Yeah. That's impressive. I'm being serious, Jimmy. You wanker. I have. The way you threw your neck around, like you look like a, a Guido yeah. chick in New York being mean about something. Yeah. I was doing that because my hair's too long and, and it was stuck underneath my collar and I was trying to get it out. You snapping can, your neck around like, like Marissa Tomei. I can also get the dyes made with the oh, CNC. Right. Oh, you can if, make them in your place too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Out of some sensual steel that we'd have well, to figure out. Whichever way we go. Whether you make the decision or I make the decision, we'll do two sets. So, you got to send me some detailed images of your of your uh, of your your dovetails, just so we know that it's the same one as mine. Yes, we can do that. And those arms, those linkage arms, I gotta I gotta see those. The ones. I'll send I you. You know what? I'm, we got these linkage. I'm gonna. I'm putting pictures of. of uh, I'm putting a yeah, list. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, rebuilding a Baudry number nine right now, three hundred pound Baudry. Yes, that's the one you were taking apart the other day. Yes. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to share with you that I think is so fun about those hammers is that, you know, that they're very unique in how they operate with the spring box and the spring arms and the rollers and all that. The rollers inside the spring box, which is essentially what happens is it gets picked up and down all the time. That steel, the rollers, gets so freaking hard over time. Like, I... I took them out yesterday. I was checking them, you know, to make sure they're not out of round or flat spots or anything. And I was like, oh, I'll just polish this one piece up here. You can put them on the lathe. The lathe tool ain't going to cut it. They get like Dang. glass hard. Wow. It's unbelievable wow. how hard they get. And that's all I have to share about that. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Thank you what, do you, what do you plan on doing for that broken flanged edge on your roller, on your pulley? Okay. So interesting. This is a very interesting question. Interesting. Describe, describe to the people who haven't seen what it is and what's wrong with it. So the main pulley on the head of this hammer, which is what the flat belt would be running on, okay? Yes. Or, or spinning around until the slack belt tensioner catches it, is chipped on the edge. It's a completely cosmetic thing, right? But the guy that's bought this hammer wants it to be perfect, so I'm going to repair it. Well, that such said, as a chip, it's like a full foot. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, let's say it's it's ten inches or eight inches of the lip of the pulley has been broken yeah. off. So it's it's quite a you know. So I I've gone back and forth in my mind what I need to do. And keep in mind this is a cosmetic, right? It has no structural bearing on the performance of the hammer. The guys at Loctite, I didn't know they follow my Instagram page. So originally what I was going to do is. Uh, make a piece of metal and braze it on there and try to blend it, you know, and make it look right, paint it and be fine. I also thought about turning down the rest of that lip and, and rolling a ring and, and then brazing that Perfect on new one on. Totally. The guys at Loctite send me uh, a product called, uh, I think it's called Superior Metals, which is a compound essentially that you mix together and it's fully machinable, fully, you can 
tap it. You can, you know, thread it. You can. So, is it like a high, high powered JB weld kind of thing? Yeah, like a legitimate. Yeah. Like they use it even so much as for sh- repairing like shafts, like solid shafts. Like it's a legitimate product. No way. So I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about just making it actually perfect with this putty, if you will, that hardens and, uh, and machining it to where it, it looks like it never happened. So wow. I'm waiting for that product to arrive. I'm very excited about trying it. Yeah, that could be interesting. Is it a two-part yeah. clay mix kind of thing? Do you have, have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. No, I, I haven't seen oh, it yet. I'm curious to see how that all works. Cause... All I was told was that you got to follow the directions, completely follow the directions, because if you don't, failure is imminent. I wonder if uh, it'll stick directly to that broken edge or if oh. you would need to pin it. You know, would you need to pin it? Put some like tap screws in there and just have the clay grab that. No, one of the guys was saying that um, that if I use that like Play-Doh poo that y'all were. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was saying that it, it, it adheres to it and it's a like it's a stronger than metal bond. Wow, that's incredible. Will. I would yeah. love to see that stuff. That sounds like something could be useful. Totally. It's on, very I'll, easy. I'll forward you some of the literature they sent me in PDF format. Ooh, wow. You, wanna, you guys want to hear? I, you, that reminds me of a story that happened yeah. to me years ago. So in 1989, I bought a 1958 Cadillac Fleetwood four-door car. It, just, it looks like a giant hearse without the back. So it's a four-door Cadillac Fleetwood. It was all black. And... I restored the whole car. I bought it just to, as a project. And I got the whole car running perfect. I painted it. That's how I learned how to paint. I learned how to do body work. And one day I'm driving the car. It was one of those cars that every time you took it out, the brake cylinder like didn't work. So you like had to like coast to a stop and hope you didn't hit somebody. Every time I took it out, the brakes never worked. It needed it had like a Bendex power assist brake thing. It was such a pain in the ass. But one day I'm driving the car. And every time I made a left turn, I heard this like, dunk, 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 dunk in the front end. And like it, it was only on one drive. So I was like, oh, I got to get home for something major catastrophe happens. And I don't know what's going on in this car. And I'm driving it and it's getting worse. It's going, dunk, 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 dunk. Like it's the spinning of the wheel or something. Is it, and I get is out and I, and I inspect the wheel and there's nothing. And I'm looking under the car and I don't see anything wrong. I can't figure out what's making this noise. I'm looking for shiny metal. I drove it about five miles home the whole time, like trying to only make right turns because anytime I made a left turn, I heard this huge banging. I get home, I jack the whole front end of the car up and I look underneath it. And what? A family of raccoons. Nope. The inside rim on the front left tire had separated fatigue, metal fatigue. About a third of the rim was cracked and expanded out. And wow. any second, the tire was about to just lose all of its air. There was a whole yeah. crack line, right? Like, so when you're looking at a cross-section of a rim, you know, it goes down to where it's kind of fused together, and then it comes up to two little, like, edges. And one of those edges for about one-third of the tire was completely cracked and bending out from the pressure of the tire, and it was hitting wow. the frame every time I turned. The clearance was no longer available, and it was hitting, and it was a big shiny spot on it, and that's how I noticed it. So we, we, I brought it to the, uh, the, the tire guy, and we, he found me a new rim for the right year and everything. He said he'd never seen that happen before, where the fatigue, the air pressure just broke along a, a bended, pressed seam. Wow. That's my that's story. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and that's that when I saw your, 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 your break, it reminded me of that story that I had. That's, that's, that's the end of my story. 
That's Jimmy DeResta. You can see more of these crazy, amazing stories on his YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com. DeResta tells crazy, amazing stories. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah, whole it was... new. He's already at 40 million subscribers. His next adventure know. is when he had anal bleaching. <laughs> and it didn't work. I, I'd watch it. So I'd that reminds it. me, you guys want to hear an interesting thing I want to make? I've already found a candidate. Uh, uh, talking about cars, I want to take a, a 1970s Cadillac Coupe de Ville and make it into an El Camino. And those cars actually existed. They were coach builders that would make El Camino style Cadillacs. And they're available. You can go buy them, but they're usually very expensive, like in like the fifty dollars to $100,000 range because no. they're such a, a rare car. But it's funny, if you, if you Google Cadillac El Camino, you'll see a lot of Cadillacs, and in, in some instances, marketed towards horse people that are wealthy in the 70s. Wait, there yeah. are people that are half horse, half humans? Yep, the horse people hey. so that they can carry their children in the back. No, horse people like my girlfriend Taylor, you know, you have all these like accoutrements that go along with being a horse person. Okay, wait a minute. Like, Stay, hold on just a second. Taylor's yeah. half horse, half human? Yes, yeah. she's a horse person. You're confusing us both. No, you know what I mean. Somebody that's into the horse culture that owns a horse. So they, they marketed these Cadillac El Caminos to people that carry saddles, horseshoes, you know, horse, uh, you know, fancy high, knee-high boots and all that stuff. So it's a couple of the ads that popped up. It shows people putting their, you know, crop and their saddle in the back of these Cadillac El Caminos so they could ride in style to the, to the dressage shows and whatever. So anyway, that's, that's a build I want to do. I want to, I want to, I have a candidate in mind. I'm going to go look at a Tuesday 1979 Cadillac Coupe de Ville Phantom. And uh, I might... I might grab that and then we'll turn it into an El Camino over here. And Can really you make solid... it also into a wheelie car? Like, so it does wheelies and all this other stuff? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not too much of an engine nerd, honestly. I'm not, no, I'm it's not... just wheelies, not, not, not an engine, just wheelies. Like, just no, put a know, wheelie like the, bar on the back? You know, like, some nerds are into, like, the, uh, just the, the full drivetrain and you talk to them and they're dropping, like, mathematical equations on the transaxle gearing and all that stuff. I just like to know the car looks good and it'll start and be trustworthy. That's all I care about. I'm really more interested yeah. in the cosmetics of it than the, uh, so no, that'll be a big, that'll be a big, uh, all I care about is if it has air conditioning. It does. <laughs> this is, I have my in eyes Dallas, on it. A 1979 yes. Cadillac Phantom. Do you guys remember Goodfellas? Like the movie, the, the movie Goodfellas. Was Do you that remember the, it came yeah, out yeah. along the same time as Ghostbusters. Yeah. So in yeah. Goodfellas <laughs> Ghostbusters, there was a, a scene in the end where he's being chased by Whitey, a helicopter, and then he gets arrested. He's driving around in a 1979 Cadillac Phantom, which is copper-colored with a black top with a saddle interior. This is the same Classic. exact car I found. Classically so, done. Yeah. So and, and, and all the Guidos that own these cars think they're worth a million dollars. So No, good. So, That'll be fun. It'd be fun to what take if, this car and mutilate it. Well, uh, Eric, what did you just get out? You, I know you have a show and tell. You just like pulled something out with the biggest smile on your face, like let's <laughs> see it, buddy. <laughs> well, I saw you kind of like you've already out. you've already seen it. It's the mouse from London. <gasps> what it's is the that? Leap Spring saw. Where did Dude, you get that? That is really cool. Look wow, at that. Look, with the handle. 
Holy mackerel, dude. That is so cool, though. Who made that? You know, somebody made and used that like crazy, probably. Oh, yeah. And it's old in terms of like it's all square bolts and, and carriage bolts or square nuts. That, and carriage bolts. It's just stupid. That deserves to be in a museum. Thank you for sending it to me. <laughs> Where did you get that? That is really cool. Um, the people at work gave it to me. They have it on the <laughs> research farm. They found it. Is it from the dirt? Oh, that makes they sense. Find it buried? Some stoner, some stoner researcher. They, dude, I got to make a saw that's totally out of a leaf spring. It's all like the forge leaf spring. It's ridiculous, but I highly enjoy it now. I was too excited to share that with you. Do no, we? Do, seeing- are we? Are we in agreement that that tool you sent us the other day is a leaf spring oiler? It seems like it. Yes, it, it is, is right. Greaser thing. Yeah. 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 One hundred percent is. It's either that or a very, very aggressive pair of forceps. <laughs> you got to yeah. put a picture. Yeah, on there's it. not too many uh, leaf spring greasers out there. Uh, that wasn't exactly, you know, the most common thing. What What are you working on these days, Eric? What am I working on? Uh, yeah. I just I just finished the label pasting. I showed you that earlier, right? Yes, that was cute. Yep. Next. So there's that. I'm now working on some 1920s headphones. Oh yeah, that's kind of interesting pick there. How'd did you, you buy those? Where did you buy those? How did you come up with that pick? Uh, they were just locally at an auction here. Uh huh. And uh, and you thought, wow, that would be a great restoration project. I think it's cool in that I don't know. We're kind of here. Uh, this isn't going to help anyone listening, but like that's Brandy's New okay. York Superior. Wait, wait, I just was tuned out for a second. Where did you buy those? Locally here. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for tuning they out. Have, on, they on have this the type podcast of... you created, Jimmy. Thank you. Yeah. Oh no, no, no! I, I got to get uh, What looks like a guitar pickup um, yeah. wiring, kind of going on inside here. And they need to be rewired with very thin, thin copper wire. And they need some de-rusting and general cleaning. But it's more about getting the wires to work. And I still don't fully understand what is going on here. Um, But I'll figure it out. I've been talking to some people. So basically, you have the two. Each, Each side, each ear has two wires going to it. And then they all meet up in some large wire that then ends up in only three wires somehow. Oh. So I don't know where the fourth wire goes. It's just gone. So I don't know how I'm going to get that to hook up to like a modern 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. Uh, but I'm just going to try it and see what happens. Through some soldering and some transducer phenolicals, uh, yeah. bypassers. Yeah, that's that's what I glass, should be doing. Glass shrouds, you know, the XPQ9ers. You got to get those. If you can't, that one website, 4827 Wizwan, is not active anymore. So you can't really get them, like, easy. Yeah, exactly. It's unfortunate. But you, uh, there were some people you, who uh, that, that they, they think it should work if we can wire it up properly. Why don't you uh, take the pair of headphones you have or, or buy a comparable pair and just Frankenstein them into Bluetooth headsets? I've, I've thought about putting the guts in 
like the Bluetooth guts into them and getting rid of the wire. Um, but I'll, I kind of want to. That would I be more useful. Oh, I, and I, I will do that if A, after I wire this together, it doesn't work. Or B, even if it does work, I just want to kind of get it. Like I know that I did it and then I can rip the guts out and, and get something else. But you could it's, do a, uh, a re-restoration like your new channel. It's old. Like this is this is plastic, like Bakelite, like the original old as hell plastic. See, uh, I think headphones are, are going to be going away in the future and there'll be a chip inserted in your head that has a speaker. and Yeah, you know, yeah exactly. You These won't have to other, worry about all this jazz. So this is the drum that vibrates back and forth to create right. the sound. So the sound quality is going to be exceptional. They're just metal discs. Yeah. Oh. But they're painted, um, but they're worn in the center. So I don't really know, like, whatever coat I put on this, whatever finish is going to massively affect the sound quality. Don't paint them. But then it's just a very metallic tinny sound, right? Yeah. So I got to find something. It looks kind of shellacky, but maybe like that flex seal or like that peel away paint that'll maybe remove well, once you once you get it going you sense. can just try once you get it going just try a couple of different materials just it's easy enough to scissor out a different type of material yeah that's why it could be fun could be a lot of fun to mess around with um and then after that i'll do like i was talking yesterday on instagram i'll do the little bomb looking motor and then maybe the cloth cutters and stuff you know what I saw? You just reminded me. I saw it at a flea market this morning, which is probably still available because nobody would want it. It's it looks like a an ever. <laughs> I, I I just I I went to to a garage sale this morning. I bought a hundred dollars worth of stained glass, so I kind of shot my load. But the guy still has. It, it looks like the that? head. It looks like the head of an Evinrude motor from the fifties, right. and it goes down to like a big sexy flange, and it is a compressor head with no motor. Does that ring a bell to you? Interesting. An Evan for Ruth compressor? It's for, I, I'm a, I'm, it's for dental work. You think so? <laughs> I think so. If, I, I, if, uh, if, if you're explaining what I think you're explaining, I think it's a dental compressor. The one I, the one I have is for dental work. Oh, this is Yours is from the 40s. This one looks like it's from the 50s. The one I saw today. This, this ball motor? This thing? Oh... No, 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 no. What is that now? That's that's the motor or that's the compressor head? That's, that's the, the entire thing. that's the entire electrical motor. Wow. And what was that used for? That's the dental thing? Yeah. But I don't have like the you know, drill attachment like you would have. It's basically like a Dremel oh. motor. A Fordham. It's like a Fordham motor. Yes. <laughs> it's gonna be cool. I'm excited to fix that one up. Well, I'm gonna yeah. go back and grab this. Uh, I'm gonna go grab this compressor head later after we get off. By the way, I have a house full of people today coming because do we're really? going to do this spoon and knife making class. Yeah, while we're on the podcast, people are showing do up. Do you here. make? Do you make videos anymore? I I will. I I started I, yesterday. I started making a bell. I'm gonna cast a bell. I put it on Instagram this morning. So I started making my wooden pattern for a bell, and then I started my stained glass. I'm gonna do a stained glass window. And then I'm doing an Argentine barbecue. These are like three videos I started Ooh. this week. What is an Argentine barbecue? Oh, it's the best. <laughs> it's uh, a crank and the grill goes up and down so you can control the heat. I'm surprised. Oh, okay. Aren't you? A, you know something about cooking, don't you? 
Are you talking about an Argentinian barbecue or an <laughs> oh Argentine? Oh, he's splitting hairs here. He's like, oh, I didn't know what you meant because you said Argentine. I was thinking that was some kind of food. But yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. We have those. We call them wagon wheel barbecues down here. Yeah, well, that's just right. use the wagon wheel to raise and lower it. The yeah, angle iron underneath the actual grill needs to be V-shaped upwards. To collect the juices. To capture the juicy flavors and then disperse it back onto the coals exquisitely. Oh, yes. y'all are making me hungry. Yeah, yeah, that's how we do it. Yeah, so I'm doing well, all that. I found a couple of good ones online. You know, it's funny. When I researched the Argentinian barbecue to try and figure out how to do it or some of the key elements that I can't overlook, the only videos I found were guys showing off their own manufactured Argentinian barbecue. There were no huh. guys like any one of us making their own. So I wonder if, I if it's it against at, the rules. Maybe it's against the rules. But I'm saying, I'm so, I thought I'd find like seven backyard welders making their own. That's I why. Okay, this is what... Once we've talked about this, you need to do a re-barbecue made out of rebar. Yeah. What? And then a wooden bar, one-use barbecue. A wooden-use, yeah, one-use. I like that idea, the one-use barbecue. Make it out of like a, single, a hollow log. Single-use barbecue. Make it out of two-by-fours or whatever. Just be that done is with. interesting. <laughs> I've, a I've a so disposable barbecue. Yeah. I'm like, um, did I have that conversation with Jackman in England? Did, is that, did, were you and Jackman talking about that? Yeah, because Jackman and I, like, I was like, Jackman, make a wooden barbecue. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. He, he's like, yeah, we could, but it's stupid. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. So, but we could. So, but um, does the wood that made the barbecue pit. A barbecue pit actually burn, and that's what creates the heat. Or just all it all burns down and collapses. So you gotta like, you gotta like time it and have the right density of wood so that it yeah cooks meet, long enough. Yeah, this isn't a game. This is like high intense cooking. This is. Have you got, guys yeah, seen? I've gone. I went to a, a fancy party up here in upstate New York. It was a wedding, and they had these really cool. They had like these like. You ever see these like Norwegian barbecues or Norwegian fires? I forget what they're called. But they take a log and they slice the top up a certain number of ways and they start a fire at the bottom of that and it slowly burns all night long. So you take a log, right? cut yes. straight down into it in yes. like an yep. X pattern and you start a fire down in the bottom where the cut crosses and it burns all night long. There was like 10 yep. of them at this, this event we went to. And they had yes, ones that were... you need like drier logs. But yeah, they're cool. Yeah. Yeah, they had ones that were cut into these beautiful patterns. It was it was really really beautiful, and then by the end of the night, they're just a pile of ash. Oh yes, so basically a wooden barbecue. That's and then re barbecue is just a, a natural progression. You have to get that. How many <laughs> how many guns can you cut? Per <laughs> He's getting nervous. He's looking for his. No, mine are here. I just I just I'm waiting for you to shoot yourself one day. <laughs> no, this is a story. What happened to Jimmy's finger? Oh, he blew it off on his podcast. Tom fooling <laughs> around with his pistol. Do you know yeah. this gun? I showed it on YouTube once. This is a top loader from Germany. You you need a clipper strip to push in a series of bullets from the top down. This is such an unpractical gun. So, and they don't even make this this gauge size. It's like under nine millimeter. It's a weird size. So it takes a clipper strip and you push the bullets CC down. Gun. 
Like, who designs these? This is designed in Austria. Like, how is that efficient at fooling people? Well, you see, because the bottom of the handle doesn't open up. It has a a leather strap, so when you're running through the woods, you don't drop your gun and lose it. It's it's good to know. So long as your lanyard doesn't fall off. When I'm running from moose, I'll be no... (laughs) I'll be safe. No so let me talk about this for a minute. If when you're working, I want to encourage you to use the proper size combination wrench, not to use an adjustable wrench every time because it's more accurate. <laughs> the only adjustable wrench that's acceptable to use is Eric's from Hand Tool Rescue. <laughs> Outside Obviously, of that, Come on. I want everybody using wrenches that fit the nut or bolt that they're actually trying to remove or tighten. Yes. Are we all on the same page? Okay. Those are always all. better than adjustable wrenches. No, but outside of those, the only adjustable wrench that's allowed to be used is yours. <laughs> well, I need to make a version of mine that's just the ultimate, like, you know, S7 steel, like we were talking about. Just insane steel. Yeah, or make some wrought iron ones. Or wrought iron, yeah. So they just bend around the nut itself, and then no. you just then you just like torque the whole nut it's, and wrench it's a, combo. It's a piano tuner's wrench. It's a piano you know, tuner's wrench. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that you don't have to have a tremendous amount of torque on. Literally, feather feather the bolt. Yeah. To the nut. Jimmy is so bored with what's happening at the moment he's going through his desk no you know what i'm looking for i have more guns i'm looking for the little wrench we bought in england i can't find it oh the one that i bought it's on eric's desk in canada because he took it home with him or is it no 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 i i know i brought it i just don't know what the hell is it it that one did y'all buy a bunch there no we got one uh my, my buddy uh derek got me the same exact one that Eric's been making in the same size, the smallest one. Yes, Ben Crow of the Vintage Tools Shop had a whole booth set up there with yeah. even wrenches and planes and chisels, like more smaller hand tool stuff. And how, it was awesome. How far were y'all from his actual shop? I think it's uh, a few hours away. I think it's a few yeah. hours away. Yeah. But I, next year, you should have gone there instead of sitting in the in the lobby playing tiddlywinks. Yeah, it would have been nice. No, well, some people went to his... Dick guy ...and tell him that we needed to be in a more populated area. <laughs> no, he's yeah. going to move the event next year, he thinks. But uh, Crimson Guitars is, is Ben's the same place. Guy. Yeah, so he might... I might go out there... If we do this again next year, I might go out there for a week early and make a guitar, guitar. With, him, with him. Yeah. yeah. I thought so that was sweet. cool. I saw you playing April's guitar. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, April made that guitar in like six days, which is the neck and everything. He said they do the whole yes. thing there. Her and Matt yes. Cremona. I watched that. That was cool. Yeah, that, that was very Man. neat. Yes, and Ben, actually, interestingly, Ben and I were talking. He wants to work together to make a hand plane design. Oh, like yeah. A, I got a, the most. A, like a miter plane design, and I would be 100% into that. He gave what? me an incredible hand plane, which is packed in my suitcase still I'm looking around for my suitcase i don't even know what i did with it but he he's looking on huge... the wall for his suitcase <laughs> i'm yeah, looking to see if it's right ceiling. behind me 
Anyway, I, I, I'll, I'll show the hand plane and I'll send the pictures. But he gave me this beautiful, uh, uh, like a, what would it be called when, you, when it, the blade is as wide as the shoe? Is that called the shoulder plane? The blade is as wide as the shoe? The blade is as wide as the bottom. The if bottom? it's an inch wide, the blade uh, is an inch wide. So, oh, like a like a rabbit plane. Yeah, a rabbit plane or a tendon plane, so you can kind of get up right into a corner. Yeah, it'd be like a rabbit plane. Yeah, so he gave me one of those. How big is it? Doesn't, uh, it is about this. twelve inches long by. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Subtle. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> yes, that would be a rabbit plane. Here's a wrought iron knife that was uh, made by for me by Aaron Sergal. Oh, nice. But it doesn't cut stuff. Cuts cheese? It's a cheese knife? That is very it, nice with the grain. It cuts. It's basically like metal wood. If you like metal wood, then yeah. Look, you but, like wrought iron. I think it's absolutely stunning, beautiful. It's almost well, too nice. You should throw it out. Uh, you know what we need to tell people on the podcast is that uh, we're going to be all together in Texas. <gasps> in Texas? Yeah. October 26th and 27th, 2019. Oh, yes. at the, the Good of the Land. The Good of the Land Fest. We're, we're going to be doing a basically like a podcast slash Q&A uh, live at the event. And the intro that, will be us doing a, a skip to my Lou. Yeah, we can do it. We can actually fire guns off into the sky this time. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. I want to do. But uh, also, aren't we, we're going to be together physically in, uh, in New York at one point in July. That's right. Yes. Like that's, not, that's not an open to the public thing. We're going to get together here. <laughs> Just making that clear. But what I was thinking of doing, guys, is um, maybe we could we could think this through a little bit. We could have at my house, we could have like an invite only, a couple of local guys like Chris Cash and some other guys come up and maybe do like a hammering or like a roundtable discussion or something like that. I, I would do that, yeah. but I want to be getting a pedicure at the same time. Yeah, yes. We can discuss how many 700-pound anvils are actually available in the world. Like I can't six. believe you just gave away who the person was that said that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say Dude, that. I, I just totally, I just totally <laughs> did the psychologist twist on that thing, and it was Chris Cash that said that. No, I don't know that he said that because I heard it second or third hand. I don't know if he okay, so said that. Chris told Brett, and Brett told you this is how the world gets. That's how this works. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't you know. Know, I don't Forging at your house. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> you, I already know nice. you give it away. I don't know that to be true. I have no comment. Yeah, you I just did got not have there. sex with that woman. Okay, Monica. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I will put up some information about that too on Instagram. So what we're saying is the public's invited to Jimmy's house. The address is. <laughs> no, no, no. 30th Street. Um, yes, as for the Texas thing that's actually open to the public, it will be taking place at the Antique Farm and Tractor uh, Collectors Association. 
They have like a large, they have 52 acres of expansive great land for us to put on uh, the massive event. So I'm really excited. Is A-Bomb oh. going to come back again? A-Bomb's there again. Pretty much everyone's awesome. coming. Essential Craftsman coming back. Awesome. Uh, maybe Liam Hoffman again. That would be nice. Uh, who else God is there? God bless that kid's talented, man. Yeah, he Keith is. Rucker will be back. God bless uh, that kid's talented. Rucker? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote yeah, Keith Rucker, man. That boy's talented. We have like the same job. Did you know that? That's weird. Um, um, not really. Well, now you know. Um, different products. Yeah. And uh, I don't know who else is yet to be confirmed, but it, it'll be much larger than last time for sure. Well, how come Keith travels so much more than you do for work? Uh, Keith. Keith is an agronomist. So that's that's like somebody so say you are having like problems on your farm like you sprayed a bunch of herbicide and your plants aren't reacting to it the way they're supposed to sure. you would call you would call Keith in and he'd be like oh well it's cuz you're stupid um and you <laughs> sprayed this or you didn't you didn't clean your tank out here or you should have planted this over here so that when it's windy, when you spray, it doesn't overspray over to here. It's basically right. like a, it's like a farming detective, who will also suggest best practice methods for you on like your your growing and whatever else happens to be going on, on your farm. So he has to be on site essentially. Yeah. In the field. That's cool. Or is that, I'm doing just, more research. I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's a nice job. It's good for him to find some goods in farms. Oh yeah, be there all day. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta wrap it up because we have a couple of appointments. But I wanted to just find out quickly. Uh, we don't want to leave out hot on the horizon. For me, it's that Cadillac. So I might be getting that that nineteen seventy nine Phantom. Maybe I'm gonna go look at it on Tuesday, and it's a pretty good solid car with about a hundred thousand miles on it. So I'm going I'm gonna, to uh, North Carolina next week, early next week, to pick up a Jenkins power hammer that's ultra rare. There's probably only three or four really known ones anymore to exist. Yeah, but how, how do you, did Chris tell you that? Yeah, Chris and, and Brett. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they told me. Jimmy's laughing quietly because he knows Brett's going to scalp him when he sees him. <laughs> Brett doesn't listen. We can say whatever we want about him. Good. I don't listen to his podcast either. That's why he doesn't listen because he thinks I don't listen to his. But oh, I secretly sure. do, so I know all the things he's saying about me. He's such a sissy pants sometimes. He always says, he always starts every sentence. Jimmy doesn't listen, so we can say. But I'm listening every week. He hears everything. I know that you have you got the I algorithms know, that pick up on your name. I know that Steve and Al listen to this, so they're gonna they're gonna call Brett up furiously right now, feverishly. You better not you better not say anything bad about Jimmy anymore. He listens. Totally. All right, Eric. Uh, me, I've I've already discussed my entire life. I'm yes. not gonna have food poisoning in the future, so that's cool. Um, I am excited. I have this Foley bandsaw setter, like an early early one. Uh, and I'm hoping That's to get to that. That's a little orange too. one? The little orange one? No. Is that what that the is? Foley Something. bandsaw is setter. Is, it's a big. Oh. Or sharpener. Yeah, it's a big one. But I still have the hovering lawnmower, and I got to get to it. 
Oh, dude. Up. Jimmy, can you do that one more time, please, what you were just doing? What, so, with my arms that, over my head? That's kind of this summer. Yeah. Oh, no, are you going to like put me in some crazy pose? Yep. Totally. Sensual, <laughs> sexy pose. It reminds me of that song, my... I'm the Barbie girl in oh, the Barbie world. Oh, and the drag saw. I want to do the drag saw this summer. When are you going to like restore like a drag line tractor? When oh, it's I... hand tool rescue. It's hand tool rescue. You still use your hands with a tractor. Okay, let's see it. It's a, hands, it's a hands-on tool. What's a drag hands- saw? Drag saw? We've yeah. discussed this, haven't we? It's a uh, me. hit hit and miss powered crosscut, old crosscut saw. Okay, so it's like a big uh, hacksaw, bandsaw hacksaw. It just does this for what? Uh, just for cutting trees up, Dang. bucking them up. So oh, I so have one. You got to cut it on a buck on a saw buck. Yeah, so I so need to get gravity fed in like the vertical direction. That's it. Right. Very cool. It's going to be very cool. So are we done? Cool. Yes, we are done because we got a party. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah, guys. I've, closing I really, I really want to thank you for your time today, guys. It's been a pleasure. I feel smarter. I feel more confident and more ready to conquer the world. That's based off the over. things that you've said. And I'm a little, a little reclimped here. I just want to thank you guys for being so sweet. <laughs> You little bastards. Oh, God. Oh, God. I feel offended slightly somehow. I, uh, if you were around me right now, you would think, you would, you would think, like, there's got to be a woman in the room because I ran out of deodorant and I asked my wife, I said, Do I have any more deodorant? She's like, No, but just use this. And she handed me a thing. I put it on and it was cashmere mist by donna karen and i'm like oh <laughs> oh my god do i smell like a woman this is crazy that sounds beautiful. yeah it probably smells fantastic yeah i keep thinking like wow this is just weird okay i don't know why i said that but it's just what it is <laughs> maybe it's because you like it and you want Cash- more cashmere mist exactly and the worst name like i could possibly stage name. entering stage left here she is cashmere mist <laughs> Exactly. All right, boys. Y'all have a great day. Go out there and make a difference in the world, would you? Yeah, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me what to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Piss off. Yeah. All right. I'll see you guys. I love you, guys. I love you like my sister. Bye. Right, okay. Love you guys. I'm hanging out there. Bye. Bye. Bye.